0: Welcome back to Lightshed Research, a podcast that puts our research notes in your ears for your convenience. November 2nd, 2020. Last chance. Media companies must self-cannibalize or merge to enable full pivot. Very few companies are able to recapture growth once technology changes their future. The ones that have been able to reverse their fortunes have had to make hard decisions to pivot from their core. Apple has done it multiple times. When Steve Jobs returned and the iPod changed the direction of the company, they went beyond their personal computer roots. Then, Steve Jobs had the courage to take a sword to the iPod at the height of its popularity to become a handset company. Last week, Tony Fidel, who led the creation of the iPod and iPhone at Apple and is co-founder of Nest, recalled this courageous decision on Twitter, embedded below, explaining how Apple had to cannibalize themselves to prevent someone else from doing it. We're also reminded of what Facebook did in 2012, when founder Mark Zuckerberg realized the company had to go all in on mobile and deprioritize their highly profitable legacy desktop web business. The rest is history. Fidel's tweet says, in 0405, we saw the iPod was facing an existential issue. Users only wanted to carry one thing in their pocket purse. That would be a phone, not a dedicated music player. The iPod plus phone slash iPhone project was born. Either we cannibalize ourselves or someone else was going to do it. While we found Fidel's tweet interesting, what followed was even more interesting. With WarnerMedia CEO, original Hulu CEO, and former Amazon exec Jason Kylar quote tweeting Fidel, stating the following. This from the person whose entire career up to that point was defined by the iPod is the definition of high judgment, the decision to embrace a new thing rather than your greatest success to date because customers, PS, hard, brave, customer focused decisions like this by the Apple leadership team in 04, 05, and, and the next few years were foundational in what was to become an invention that changed everything and happened to be worth over 1 trillion to Apple shareholders. Pretty, pretty good originally tweeted by Jason Kylar on October 25th, 2020. While we have no idea whether Kylar intended for us to connect Fidel's comments, his Fidel comments, about Apple to the current state of WarnerMedia and or the broader legacy media landscape, we cannot help but make the connection. Remember back in 2011, Kylar wrote the now infamous bad boy memo embedded at the bottom of our May 2019 post. Within that memo, Kylar stated, the internet has made it possible for new entrants to innovate quickly and materially. Consumers will have more choice and convenience going forward. This competition will drive prices and margins down in pay TV distribution. A greater percentage of the economic pie will flow back to content owners and creators. Kylar predicted exactly what was going to happen. While the internet-based disruptor has been far more Netflix than Hulu, media companies' lack of willingness to cannibalize themselves enabled someone else to do it, Justice Fidel talked to in remembering Apple's situation in 2004-2005. Media companies continue to make business model-focused decisions versus consumer-focused decisions. The consumer wants to stream everything on any device, wherever they want, with a great user experience. Pivot now, scale up to pivot, or harvest cash till death. Reorgs do not equal pivoting to go all in. Traditional media has already been disrupted from numerous angles, while being too afraid to do something about it, or simply incapable. In short, they never embraced the innovator's dilemma with the courage that Apple or Facebook did. Perhaps Disney comes the closest, but it took them far too long to begin their pivot, and even they are clearly not all in today. Every week in media is marked by yet another media conglomerate announcing a reorg to increase focus on streaming and reduce costs in legacy businesses that are facing ever stiffer headwinds, but they continue to try and walk a tightrope between what was old and what is new, even if streaming is not that new anymore. Just last week, Comcast announced as part of Q3 2020 earnings, the reorg shown below stating, our priority is to invest in and create the absolute best content and ensure that we maximize monetization by choosing the most effective method of distribution, whether it's broadcast, cable networks, Peacock, sales to a th- third party, with some combination of all four. Comcast Chairman and CEO, Brian Roberts, on the Q3 earnings call. Note how Peacock, in the chart above, is simply one of many NBCU content destinations. It is in no way the preferred or primary destination for content. They cannot even claim its second to last due to alphabetical order because it's fourth out of five After USA and Bravo, but before golf. Two weeks ago, Disney announced an even larger reorg, separating content from the platforms that distribute that content, with Warner Media Media starting its own reorg back in August. The problem with all of these reorgs is that none of them are designed to enable a full pivot to streaming that rapidly cannibalizes legacy businesses. Instead, they take an incremental approach, putting more focus on streaming while balancing near-to-intermediate-term earnings from legacy assets. Yes, this even applies to Disney, as we said two weeks ago. If streaming is Disney's future, why did The Bachelorette air on ABC before Hulu? If Peacock is the future of NBCU, why did This Is Us premiere on NBC last week before launching on Peacock? Why did Paramount sell Chicago 7 and Coming to America to Netflix and Amazon Prime, respectively, versus saving them for Paramount Plus? Why did Disney and Universal push blockbuster franchise films Black Widow and F9, respectively, into mid-2021, even though both films were ready to be released? And why did Warner Brothers release Tenant into theaters in the middle of a global pandemic versus utilizing HBO Max? Just yesterday, Peacock tweeted out its release schedule for November, where almost all of the content is second window from linear television. Shouldn't it be the reverse if streaming is, quote-unquote, the future? The answer is obvious. While everyone likes to say streaming is the future, actions speak far louder than words, and nobody is truly ready to completely pivot to streaming. Either they're not convinced the economics of streaming are good enough relative to their legacy business models, despite the compelling math we recently illustrated, or worse yet, they are not confident in their ability to execute. In the streaming world, acquiring subscribers is hard, and keeping subscribers is even harder when you're always one click away from canceling. Versus the substantial friction of the legacy MVPD ecosystem. Trying to balance streaming with legacy businesses while solving for near-term earnings is always a losing proposition. Remember, subscription video on demand takes an incredible amount of content to be successful. Dabbling will never lead to winning. Netflix is now spending $17 billion on content and over $1.5 billion on technology annually because that is what needs, what it needs to drive gross ads, increase subscriber happiness and engagement in order to minimize churn and enabling it to continue to raise price, fueling the virtuous circle to create even more content. Netflix does not wake up in the morning and say we only need $6 billion of content, but let's spend $17 billion just to show how much money we can torch. Legacy media companies, on the other hand, are essentially shifting content spend from other parts of their organization to streaming and modestly increasing overall spend, but none are ramping overall spending rapidly. Simply put, if every media company now realizes streaming is the future, they need to treat streaming as the first window, ramp original content spend globally, and deprioritize everything else. While it may be already too late to catch Netflix and Amazon, with Apple now accelerating dramatically as well, The longer they wait, the more certain their fate. What if you're not big enough to pivot? Investors hope Disney's large enough and sensible enough to make the full pivot, even if management still remains far too wedded to legacy distribution platforms, with their long-term leader, Chairman Bob Iger, increasingly fading into the background. For the rest of the industry, if we are unsure if Disney is big enough to pivot, then everyone else clearly does not have enough content, let alone the financial scale balance sheet depth, and flexibility to invest heavily for at least the next five plus years. In turn, large-scale consolidation is clearly needed, not just to scale content, but also to facilitate substantial cost savings that can be redeployed into investing far more aggressively in streaming content and technology. What if M&A is not possible? Conceptually, there should be rapid consolidation of everyone not named Disney, and even Disney should be shedding assets that slow their pivot, such as ESPN. Yet the underlying problem is that almost all legacy media companies have substantial broadcast and cable network assets. Management teams fear they will be penalized by investors for acquiring businesses that have these substantial broadcast and cable network exposure, even if the acquired company also owns meaningful content and IP. In turn, scaling up through M&A to compete in streaming may simply not be possible for some media companies. For these orphaned assets, the best strategy may simply be to harvest as much cash as possible by milking legacy assets and or being an arms dealer to the growing array of streaming platforms. Chasing streaming without the necessary content and balance sheet scale appears pointless. So what is Warner Media planning thinking? Let's go back to where we started and examine Kylar and Warner Media. Given Kylar's background and his prescient 2011 view of what would happen, we have to believe he knows, quote unquote, the right answer for WarnerMedia, regardless of how painful it will make the near to intermediate term. That said, we question whether AT&T has the financial wherewithal to enable Kylar to cannibalize WarnerMedia's existing profit centers. Investors are clearly skeptical, given AT&T's dividend focus. However, it's hard to read Kylar's quote, tweet of Fidel and not think WarnerMedia's strategy is about to shift, especially after he has reassembled a large portion of the OG Hulu team at WarnerMedia as shown embedded in the picture to the right. That said, change is hard. Especially the type of change that we are advocating for. To that end, Warner Media has delayed virtually its entire film slate into mid to late 2021 rather than utilizing HBO Max.